Greetings and welcome to the worship services of Alamo First Baptist Church. I'm Brother Chris Rigby. I'm standing here this morning in front of our bell. This is the original bell that was at our old location uh, years ago. It uh, was there when the church was first built and it was always a call to worship. Well, when we moved to our new campus here several years ago, we brought it with us. And not too long ago, we got to put it up. We're so excited about it because it reminds us that we're coming together into this building to worship. And we are excited that today you've decided to tune in to our broadcast to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our prayer this morning is that you will see the great love that Jesus has for you and the great love that we have for you as well this morning as we worship together. We look forward to meeting you and your family and we invite you to be a part of any of our worship services, our activities or ministries here and if you'd like to get in touch with us, probably the best way to do that is just drop us a line at our email address, alamofirstbaptist at gmail.com. All of it spelled out, just gmail.com, alamofirstbaptist. We look forward this morning to worshiping with you. We pray God's blessings upon you and your family as we go inside now and we worship together. Let's go ring that bell for Jesus.
It is good to see those who are here this morning. We have a few, and of course, those of you online with us this morning as we continue to operate primarily uh, in our online uh, presence. Uh, we'll continue to do that uh, as it looks like through November. 
deacons we're going to meet uh, after the service today but uh, because we've had a couple of cases uh, even within our own deacon uh, body to have uh, exposure we've put that off to next week so deacons will be meeting after the service on november the 8th and we'll be talking about uh, going forward from uh, the month of no november into december a lot of things that uh, we need to think about and uh, talk about so uh, guys try to make that meeting if you can also, I do need to let you know, this is for committee members. Uh, if you've got a budget request that needs to get in by uh, at least November the 22nd, because in December we will have to have the uh, 2021 budget uh, presented and uh, ready to go. So all of that's going on, a lot of stuff uh, happening. Uh, all of the events uh, for November are uh, on hold. We're hoping that uh, December we might could do a few things. Again, we're continuing to pray for uh, the, the COVID uh, situation in our community. I know that we've lost several people in our community. Uh, I know that just uh, in our own church, we've lost Mr. Wayne Kinzer. Uh, his services today, graveside at two. Uh, also, Miss Tina Edwards had passed away. Uh, we lost her, so remember uh, her family. Uh, no, Megan uh, Kale's in our church, so we're thinking about her. Keep them in your prayers. All those in our community that have either uh, been exposed, to, who perhaps are, are getting, who have it, and, and are recovering, or are those that have lost uh, loved ones, uh, let's uh, keep them in our prayers during this time. A couple other uh, things that I uh, want to make note of, no November 22nd is Harvest Sunday. Uh, that's the Sunday in which we take up uh, a special offering unto the Lord uh, to show our thanks and appreciation for his blessings that uh, he has uh, given to us uh, in this last year. We usually try to uh, also designate that offering to, to a purpose or to a ministry or something uh, uh, unto the Lord. This year, the church has voted to take the offering uh, that comes in on that Sunday and use it for the uh, piano. We are going to refurbish the piano. It's uh, 49 years old. Uh, Derek's not quite that old, but uh, uh, anyway. Uh, but it's, uh, it needs some TLC, uh, and uh, it's going to run about $9,000, so we're hoping that uh, the, that offering will come in and we can cover all of that. I appreciate uh, uh, you meeting that need and We'll be the, the sad thing is we'll be without the piano for about four months, but, uh, but when we get her back, she'll be um, uh, as good as new, so they tell us. So we're excited about that. Um, don't forget, uh, I guess you know, this is uh, election week. It's going to be Tuesday, and uh, everyone needs to vote. We uh, want to push that, but also we want to be in prayer for our nation during this time. We want to pray uh, for peace. We know that uh, sometimes opinions and beliefs and convictions run hot, and, um, and we've been blessed in, in our nation to have uh, a, a peaceful nation that uh, uh, has a way of just uh, coming together in unity. And so uh, we ask this, that, that as we approach this time, God's will be done, and our trust in Him, He's still on the throne, no matter who's in the White House, uh, no matter who's uh, in Congress or in the Senate, God is still on the throne. We recognize that, we know that, uh, and we just pray for uh, unity and peace throughout our nation. 
So let's have a, a word of prayer this morning as we thank God for the offering that's come in through this week, as we thank God uh, for his blessings, and as we pray for those that have need, and then particularly as we lift up our nation. Our most gracious Heavenly Father this morning, we thank you for loving us and gracing us with your blessings and goodness in life. And Lord, this morning we do pray for those that we've mentioned, the families that have lost their loved ones, our hearts go out to them, and Lord, not just the, those that are in our church, those in our community, or in our state, but Lord, all over uh, this world in which we live, those that have uh, struggled with this uh, virus that has taken so many. And Lord, we continue to look to you and know that you have a mighty hand, the hand to save, the hand to heal, and the hand to cure. But Lord, in all this, there is something that uh, is being done that perhaps we don't know, don't understand, but your divine will is at work. And Lord, we trust in that sovereign grace, knowing that, Lord, you do love us and that you'd provide for all of our needs in your kindness, love, and in your mercy. Lord, this morning we pray for our nation as we continue to make this time a decision as who will govern and who will lead us uh, in these next four years. Lord, we pray for wisdom. We pray for your hand uh, upon this, that your will would be done and that we would be faithful and obedient, Lord, to your calling, uh, not just over our life, but even on our vote, Lord. We also pray, Lord, for whoever uh, is elected, uh, whoever it will be the president of our nation for the next four years and vice president, those in our Congress and Senate. Lord, we pray wisdom for them, but we also pray that we as a people can stand in unity and knowing that we are truly stronger when we stand together than when we are divided. And Lord, just help us as a nation seek uh, your grace and uh, live in your grace with one another uh, as we go through uh, these days together. All these things this morning, Jesus, we give you to your glory and to your honor. And in your mighty name we do pray. Amen.
verse that says, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy grace, Lord, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. That, that word fetter is that ball and chain type thing that, that it's, uh, we are connected to Christ forever. We can't get away from him. He won't leave us. And it's just uh, it's great to know that his grace never fails us. sufficient in everything that we go through. And the gospel in a nutshell is this, that 
Jesus came. He died for us. He paid our price on the cross. He was buried, and on the third day, he rose again. And today, he lives forevermore to make intercession for us. God so loved. Oh, uh-huh.
you know, we're going through a tough time right now, especially here in, in Crockett County. We've had several people that have come down with the coronavirus. We've had several people that have passed away from it. And we need to know that, that even in those times that God is still in control, he's on the throne, he is our great physician, and we're going to see a victory. Oh my God. 
Father God, we cannot wait to see that victory. We know as Christians that we've already won the victory over sin. You've, uh, you did that on the cross, and you paid for our sins. And we've won that victory, not because of anything we've done, but because of what you've done. And, Lord, the, we'll see the final victory, the day that, that we see you coming in the sky, Lord, to, to get all your children. And we just uh, we long for that day. We can't wait for it. We pray for anyone that doesn't know you, that they would call out to you and know that they can be saved today, Lord. We love you, and we ask it all in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, praise team. Take your Bible this morning and open to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. I can't say enough about how God has blessed us with uh, the music in our church and uh, our praise team. It, you know, it's been, a, it's been a crazy year. I said the other night, uh, many have responded and some have even texted and asked me, is, is everything okay? And, and I'm good. I mean, I don't want you to be worried for me. Uh, but it was rather hard the other night as we were getting ready to, to lose Mr. Wayne. I, I knew that that moment was coming, and we had a chance to pray with the family just before the uh, service on Wednesday night had started. And, and I, I got home, and I was sitting in the car, and I, and I just put out on Facebook that, you know, being a preacher in this time of COVID and shutdown, it, it's tolerable. I mean, I still get to preach, and that part of it's good, and there's even been the blessing of maybe a wider audience that, that has gone out into the, uh, I guess, social media world today, and that's a good thing. Uh, I, I truly miss the Sundays like today where we can't be together, and the music is just, you guys, I, it, it, to hear it at home and to hear it here is really two different things. I mean, you guys sound like Caleb, you know, when I, I tune in, and what you guys at home don't know is that that special that the praise team did, they just just pulled it out of the hat this morning and changed from something else they were going to do. That's how talented they are. But I want to thank the praise team this morning because even during this time of, uh, of the preaching, I've never felt like I was trying to fight that fight alone. You guys have been here. And my spirit has never been low on a Sunday morning because... I've not felt like I was utterly alone, not only, you know, the presence of God, but I had you, you guys here, and, and so I want to thank you, and I, and I know those at home want to thank you uh, and, uh, for what you do as well. Now, being a pastor is a little bit hard, because like Wednesday night, I wanted to be with uh, Wayne and, and, and the family, but in this COVID world, you can't do those kinds of things anymore, and... Uh, yeah, that, that part of the, the ministry stinks. So, uh, But uh, that's not just my heart. That's the heart of every pastor. And so pray for our pastors. Pray for our churches. It's a hard time. And there's a lot of churches that aren't blessed like us and the pastors. And I, I try to watch myself probably 15 or 20 services uh, a week just to give my support to my fellow brothers in Christ. And Many of them, they don't have the, the music ability in their church to, to do what we do. And, uh, you know, they're there in their pulpit or in their study trying to do social media preaching to their congregations. And for my brothers in Christ, I pray for you. I know that's a hard thing to be uh, kind of on your own sometimes, but uh, you're not. We're praying for you. God loves you. Well, anyway, that's, a, that's, that's another subject for another day. We've been in a series together on the heart of Jesus, 
And uh, this morning, I want us to think about this. The heart of Jesus, in the heart of Jesus, lives mercy. And I want to read a couple of passages for you. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And listen to what Paul says. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. I don't know if there's a more appropriate verse uh, for this day and age than that one. God is the God of all comfort. Even in these losses that we've had, God brings his comfort to us. But he is the Father of mercies. And then I want to read for you uh, Ephesians 2 and verse 4. And I tweeted out uh, the other day, if you want to know what the sermon was about, that uh, this, the sermon was about the only thing that, that the Bible says God is rich in. And here's the verse. But God being, listen, rich in mercy because of the great love which which he loved us has gone out to save us in our trespasses and sins, as it goes on to say. But what I want you to see is there, Paul says there in Ephesians, that God is rich in mercy. Earlier we prayed for our nation as this time of election comes, and I think not only out of the curiosity and perhaps our own individual hope for who might win, we worry as Americans what Wednesday morning might bring or Tuesday night might bring. Will it bring conflict in our world, in our nation? Confrontation, you know, that might be the word for today. You have to kind of be careful where you go and what you do, what you wear, what you say, because you might get into a confrontation. We're living in a world that seems ready to confront anything and anyone almost over anything. And uh, I think it's easy to say that we Americans have become a contentious lot. I don't know about you, but I try to do my best in life to avoid confrontation. That's just my nature. Some people, they're, they're not built that way. They don't mind being confrontational and uh, they don't mind confronting people over different things and saying just what they feel and just what they think. But that's kind of not my nature, I try as best that I can to be a peaceable fella and get along with everybody and avoid confrontations when I can. Some confrontations are unavoidable in life. Some confrontations are needed in life. Now, you say, well, I thought you were going to preach on mercy this morning. Well, I am. So what does confrontation have to do with anything? Well, I want to ask you something this morning, and I want you to, to ask yourself this question. What about your confrontation with God? Have you ever given much thought to it? You see, if you are a child of God, then at some point in your life, you have had a confrontation with God and you have reconciled that confrontation. That is, you've died to yourself and you've been buried with Christ and you've been born again as his child. You have confronted yourself, you've confronted your heart about your sins and your need of salvation. You and God have had a one-on-one -on -one confrontation meeting, and you have uh, settled your case with one another. If you're not a child of God this morning, if you're listening and you're not a Christian, you've never asked Christ to be your Lord and Savior, then let me say that you're living in open confrontation with God. 
The Bible says that you and I, are, that you are at warfare with God. You're at enmity with God. And that uh, one day, you will actually have to stand before God and give an answer to God on the choice of your life or whether or not to give your heart to Him and ask Him for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, what does all this have to do with mercy, the message this morning? Well, I want to give you a quote from uh, A.W. Tozer. Uh, he's one of my favorite preachers of old. But listen to what he says as he talks about mercy uh, and the tender mercies of God. He says this, Mercy is God's goodness confronting human guilt and human suffering. Mercy is God's goodness confronting human guilt and human suffering. You see, I think the one thing that we fail to recognize or fail to understand when we come to this thought of mercy is that it's really, at its heart, confrontation. Before we can have what we want, and for example, salvation, we've got to go through the road of confrontation. Before we can have what we want by way of comfort, there has to be confrontation. For example, this week we've lost loved ones in our church, in our community. In our life we've lost loved ones. Perhaps a grandparent, mom or dad, a brother or sister, son or a daughter, or a neighbor. Confrontation comes by way of, well, will I trust God? Will I still believe in his faithfulness and his hand of goodness and grace. And you see, until you get there, you can't have comfort then, can you? A lot of folks are still struggling with the loss of a loved one because they've never come to the point of saying, you know, that even in the, the dark times and in the tragedies, I can still trust in God knowing that he loves me and his hand of grace is upon me. Mercy really comes by way of confrontation. I also want to say to you this morning that all people are recipients of God's mercy. And even though not everyone is in the same place of confrontation with God, whether it be settled or unsettled, we all are recipients of the mercy of God. Now, don't have the idea that somehow that the moment that we turn to Christ that the mercies of God just automatically kick in. Don't get the idea that, that when you become a Christian, you know, all of a sudden, now God's got all this mercy for you. No, even before you come to Christ, you live under the mercies of God. Listen to what uh, the Bible says in Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, the writer says, I will put my hope in him. Do you know, dear friend, it is because of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed at this present moment. It's because of the Lord's mercy that we enjoy each and every day. It is because of the Lord's mercy that this morning we saw the sun rise. And have you ever thought about it? The murderer, the rapist, 
the child abuser, the cruel dictator, all the evil people in our world that exist who live in hate, who live to hurt, even they too are the recipients of God's mercy each and every day, just as you and I are. Now that doesn't mean that they'll all be saved and in heaven one day they'll live. But what it does mean is that God is holding back his hand of confrontation and judgment until later. The psalmist says it this way, Psalm 136 verse 1, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love. And in some translations it's, it's, it's worded mercy endures forever. So we're all recipients of God's mercy. So when we come to the study of the mercy of God, and in particularly when we want to dig deep and we want to understand the heart of Jesus as it relates to the mercy of God, we need to understand that we all are recipients of the mercy of God. There's really a threefold distinction in the mercy of God. This isn't the three points. As a matter of fact, the three points later on are real quick, but... Uh, let me give you the three distinctions of the mercies of God. There is the shared mercy of God. That's what we've been talking about. We all live in the shared mercy of God. Breathe in for just a moment. You have oxygen. Whether you're a good person or a bad person, God has provided air by which we can breathe and live. We enjoy the, 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 the fruits of this earth. That's the mercy of God. We live in a shared mercy experience from God. But then the Bible tells us there is a special mercy of God, and that is a mercy towards his children as their loving father. It is his call of salvation out on our life. It is his lived out instructions and his discipline as his children. Do you know that the Bible says that whom the Lord loves, he also what? Chastens. He disciplines. None of us like discipline. When I was growing up, I didn't like discipline. I didn't like it when my parents uh, would correct me. But what I knew and what I found out as I grew up was as, as I was disciplined for things that were wrong and corrected, that really my parents were doing what was loving and needed and good for me, teaching me. It was their mercy. It wasn't their meanness. But there's the special mercy of God. And then there's the saving mercy of God. This is Jesus. That's the mercy that's received uh, by those who have accepted Christ uh, as Lord and Savior. Those that are heirs of salvation, which Jesus now communicates his love and his goodness to. It, it is a mercy that's given in a covenant way. And that we know him as our intercessor and as our advocate. That's what we've talked about the last two weeks together. How Christ is our intercessor. How Christ is our uh, advocate. How Christ is our friend. What are those things? You can ball them all up and say Christ is merciful to us. Now the message is going to get to deal with this thought of mercy and and, and, and primarily, we're not going to deal with the saving mercy of God, but I do want to say that 
that while all of us live under a shared mercy of God, we need to have come to that special saving mercy of God because one day you will have to give an account. And on that day there will be, listen, no mercy found in that courtroom. No special mercy, no saving mercy to be given for those that stand before God having rejected him in this life. I've often told the story uh, in preaching uh, of my mother-in-law years ago when Pam's mom was alive and she, she was such a good person, such a kind-hearted person. I mean, just one of the sweetest ladies you'd ever want to meet. And, and she got pulled over one day there uh, near her home, and she got a ticket. And she was just like, I've never got a ticket in my life. And she thought, I'm going to go to the court, and, and I'm going to see if I can get out of this. Because it's just, it just broke her heart. It wasn't the money. It, ticket really wasn't all that expensive. But it just broke her heart that it was going to be on her record. She wanted her record to be pure. And she got there, and she was sitting in court, and she was telling us, she said, and I kept hearing these people get up in front of the judge, and they would give their uh, story as to what would happen and why they shouldn't get the ticket. And the judge would slap down the, the, the gavel and say, pay the fine, pay the fine, guilty, pay the fine pay the fine she thought well there's nothing really that i can say to the judge that's going to get me out of this she got up there and she said your honor i'm, I'm here today i just want to tell you i was speeding i deserve the ticket i'm just here to beg for mercy so the judge got so tickled said miss vincent i'm gonna let you out of this you've never had a ticket and i appreciate your your desire just to have mercy. Not guilty. You're set free. Let me say, dear friend, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a day you're going to stand in the heaven's court and, and, and there's not going to be any mercy found there that day if you don't know Christ. If you've not come to him in this life, God's not going to listen to a cry of mercy no matter how sincere it would be. At that moment, all hope is gone. So saving mercy is important. That's not really what we're dealing with today. We're dealing with that part as Christians, as children of God. We have that special mercy that he gives us. Ephesians 2, 4. God being rich in mercy. It's the only place in the Bible where God is described as being rich in anything. Yet we know he is rich in everything. God owns all that there is. It's all his. The cattle on a thousand hills are his. He's rich in love and, and, and all those things, holiness and perfection. But specifically, the Bible says he's rich in mercy. What does it mean? Well, I think it means that God is something other than what we naturally believe him to be. I want you to listen to that again. I believe what Paul is saying here, it means that God is naturally something other than what we naturally believe him to be. You see, our basic theology is, is really easy to understand. Uh, there's the justice of God, and the justice of God was vindicated, and the wrath of God was satisfied in what? The finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. On Calvary's cross, Jesus cried, it is finished. Well, what is finished? The vindication and the wrath of God against sin. 
Christ did not live and die and rise again as some moral example to us. Christ didn't live and die and rise again as some kind of symbolic triumph over Satan. What Christ did, he did to satisfy the uh, vindication and to satisfy the satisfaction of God's holiness against our sin. The finished work of Christ, especially his resurrection, satisfies those things that God says must be satisfied that are affront to him that come from the horror of humanity. The truth, though, now think about it. This truth, wrongly to us, might I add, somehow suggest to us that the Father's disposition towards us is different than the Son. Let me say that again. Let me put it simpler. Because Christ did have to die, because Christ did have to suffer, because Christ did go to the grave over our sin, might suggest to us that God the Father feels differently than God the Son feels about us. That somehow God the Father just has a heart of hardness or judgment against us where God the Son has a heart of love. The same heart of mercy that lives in Jesus is present in the heart of God our Father. Dear friend, they're one. They're one in the heart of mercy. It means that while God is exacting in his justice, that he is also overflowing in his mercy. Listen to this passage in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31, verse 20. In Ephraim, and that's the remnant of Israel, those who had been under the judgment of God. In Ephraim, uh, uh, is Ephraim my dear son? Uh, is he my darling child? For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him. Therefore my heart yearns for him, and I will surely have mercy on him, declares the Lord. God's disposition towards us is to show mercy at every turn of our life. A lot of times folks will, will put off coming to God. They'll put off coming to Christ because they're afraid, well, you know, their life isn't quite right, that somehow something's missing and they haven't quite got A to fit with B and B to fit with C and they, they, they're still missing some pieces of the puzzle. If they could just be a little better here or a little more good here and, and just kind of improve their life here that somehow they'll get acceptable unto to God to a point where now they can, well, they can come to God in a confidence and say, God, forgive me. Ask God to forgive them and, and, and be a child of God. Dear friend, listen, the Bible says the good things that we do are as leper's rags towards holy God. They're, look, the good things that we would do, God says, are worthless in his eyes. We don't approach God on the basis of our, our works. We don't come to God on the basis of our goodness. We come to God because he is merciful. Specifically, in our confrontation of guilt, we see God as being merciful. But also, as we said, in confrontation to our suffering. As naturally as it is for you to breathe in and out, it is natural for God to show mercy. He lives to show mercy. 
His heart is merciful. He wants to forgive. He wants to embrace. He wants to have our presence. He wants to enjoy that oneness and unity. Mercy is who God is. Listen to what the prophet Micah said. Micah 7 verse 18. Who is a God like you? pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgressions for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. And again, some translations translate that love as the word mercy. But understand this. Though God is merciful, Nowhere does God in his mercy ever surrender his holiness or his righteousness. He never stops being holy God. He never stops being just and righteous and true. But though he is just, though he is righteous, though he is true, he is merciful. So what does his mercy mean for us? What kind of mercy is it? Well, that's the introduction to the message. But don't worry. The three points are real short. And I want to give those to you this morning. What does the mercy of God mean? How do we understand it? How do we see it? Number one, God's mercy is an invited mercy. God invites us to partake of his mercy. Now, I told you at the beginning of the message, we stand in confrontation with God. Either we have settled that confrontation or we will have to settle it one day. The good news is, God says, if you settle the confrontation between His holiness and our sinfulness, His righteousness and our wickedness, uh, His perfection and our evil, our sin and His beauty, that God says, I will be merciful to you. You know what? Our sin demands death. What does the Bible say about our sin? The wages of sin is death. That's what our sin demands. The simplest little white lie you've ever told. The little bitterness or anger that you've ever felt over any little thing towards any little one. Any wrong thought that you've ever had immediately separates you from holy God. And as small and trivial as maybe that little, little grain of sin in our perspective might be, God says deserves death. And folks, that's not even the big things that we do. I don't know about you, but there's many things that go beyond that in my life that I think I would not want to stand before holy God and have to give an answer for because I know that against his holiness and against his righteousness, against his perfection, I have no hope. But yet God says, I invite you to my mercy. In this life, there's a court of mercy I can go to. Not to plead my case, not to make my case, but to simply just take his forgiveness that's given. A second thing about God's mercy is that his mercy is invincible. When God dis dispenses his, his mercy, it cannot be beat. 
You know, I, I go back to the story of my, my mother-in-law there in the court. You know, in that courtroom that day, there was a state trooper. And, and the reason I know that, because I went to court as a teenage boy to try to get out of a ticket, which I didn't get out of. I didn't use the mercy approach. I, I tried to argue why I wasn't guilty. But there was a state trooper there. And anyone that came to court had to appear before the judge, but also the trooper had to appear before the judge. And he made the case of the state why each driver was guilty of the infraction. He was there that day that my mother-in-law stood before the judge. Now, I don't know. I never did ask. I never did get an opinion, but I've often wondered what he thought. You know, suppose for a moment that he said, you know what? I don't agree with this. I saw her. She was speeding. It was dangerous. Lives were at risk. I don't agree, judge. She's got to pay the fine. Now, would she have to pay the fine? No. Because at that moment, what? Only the judge has the authority. Only the judge has the right to say what or will not happen. God's mercy is invincible. And though that we have a, an enemy that would stand and accuse us, and though that we have a Savior who would stand and advocate a, a, a case for us in which the argument cannot be beat. Praise God, we have a judge who has declared he will be merciful when we trust in him. And when he gives the verdict of mercy, it cannot be overturned. It cannot be defeated. Let me give you one last thing, and it's closely tied to the second. God's mercy is irrevocable. I think about what Paul says in the Corinthian letter. He says, what shall what? What shall separate us from the love of God? Really, you could change that around and say, what could separate us from the mercies of God? Because the love of God is what? Just an outflow of His mercy. Can death separate us from it? Can life? Can angels or principalities? Can the things of heaven or the things of earth or the things of hell? Can Satan separate us from the mercy of God? Once His mercy has been given, it's irrevocable. It cannot be changed. We cannot be separated the mercy of our Lord and Savior matches the mercy of our Heavenly Father. It is a heart that is overflowing with mercy. Mercy, listen, is two things. Two things for us. It is something to be found and it is something to be enjoyed. It is something to be found and you only find it in Jesus. And it's something to be enjoyed. And it's only enjoyed in Jesus. And that's why we close every message 
with a plea. Come to Jesus. And the invitation today, the invitation today to you, is come to Jesus. Mercy is to be found there at the foot of the cross. Mercy can only be had in the confrontation of this life, not the life to come. The Bible says once death comes, all that remains is the judgment. God says you can settle your case out of court today by coming to his son. You say, well, I just, I just don't know. Dear friend, do you know what you'll find when you come to Jesus? Mercy. Mercy. It won't be who you've been, how, hor how horrible you've been, how terrible you, you've, you, you've treated someone or done something. God says, oh no. When you come to me, and you ask me to forgive your sins. I set those sins aside. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, I remove your sins as far as the east is from the west. God says, I put them in a grave and they're never to be brought up again. When you come to Christ, what you find is mercy. When you come to the Father, you find mercy. And let me tell you something else. Not only is what you find, it's what you enjoy. After you come to Christ, you walk with Christ. I got news for you. If you get an extended number of days to continue to live, you'll blow it. At some point, you'll mess up again. But here's the difference. Christ now lives in you. His mercy covers you not only for the things that you have done, are the things that you have done at that moment, but also for the things you will do. His forgiveness is eternal. You get to live and enjoy the mercy of God always with you. And let me tell you, it changes you. I said it to you last week. When I, when I blow it, and I still blow it as a Christian, I still mess up as a Christian, but when I mess up now, do you realize what I think? I think about how I let down my friend, Jesus. Remember we talked about Jesus, our friend? And his heart is friendship. But when I let Jesus down, I still know that I live in a relationship, in a covenant relationship of mercy. His mercy is not a one-time act. It's, it's not just this one little thing. It is for my life throughout all eternity to enjoy to overflow in my life. So the invitation today is come to Christ. If you don't know him, come to the saving mercy of Jesus. And if you are a Christian, give thanks and, in, and enjoy and, and, and commit yourself to that special mercy of God. Heavenly Father, this morning, whatever decision might need to be made, those that have been listening, we pray God's blessings upon you as you worship with us today. If God has led you to make a decision today for Jesus, we would love to hear about it. We invite you to come to our website, cometothecross.net. Our online decision card will allow you to tell us about the decision that you're making. All decisions, all contacts are kept private and are confidential.
However, we would be able to pray for you and perhaps I'd even be able to call you and pray with you about what God has led you to do if you so desire. So fill out the form, let us know, and just know that we love you and God loves you. And we're excited that you're taking this first step for God today.